Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dotchis-Marmet. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Appetite for Change. Appetite for Change is a nonprofit in North Minneapolis that uses food as a tool for health, wealth, and social change. This year, in light of COVID and the unrest in Minneapolis, Appetite for Change has continued to ground themselves in their mission and center their work around community connection and nourishing food. They launched a pilot program called Community Cooks Meal Boxes, which provides fresh produce and pantry items, plus two recipes for over 300 families at no cost to the family. The program has been such a success that it has been extended for another six weeks and will continue into 2021. AFC has utilized the kitchens of their two restaurants, Breaking Bread Cafe and Station 81, to produce over 200,000 meals that have been distributed across the Twin Cities to healthcare workers, seniors, and families in need. In addition, they have seven farm plots across North Minneapolis that are tended to by community members and Appetite for Change youth learning how to grow a variety of plants. These fresh fruits and vegetables are distributed throughout the North Side. Even in 2021, Appetite for Change is committed to building a more equitable food system by delivering fresh and nourishing food to healthcare workers, seniors, and families in need, tending urban gardens, and more. We have been collaborating with Appetite for Change over this past year, and we have loved their dedication to their mission, and we so look forward to volunteering with their organization and working with them more in 2021. To learn more about Appetite for Change, listen to episode 31 of our podcast with one of their founders, Michelle Horowitz. For more information or to donate, head on over to appetiteforchangemn.org backslash impact or on Instagram and Facebook at Appetite for Change. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to ask that if you're enjoying this podcast, if you would please take just two minutes to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Doing so really helps us reach more people so that others can benefit from the inspiring conversations and information that we share. We'd also love if you share this episode with a friend or family or anyone who may benefit from the information and to tag us on social media. We are thrilled to bring you today's guest, Maria Uspinski, the founder and CEO of The Tea Spot, where her mission is to advance healthier living through the everyday enjoyment of whole leaf tea. The Tea Spot's vision to modernize the loose leaf tea experience has held steadfast since this for-profit philanthropic company was founded in 2004. Maria, a cancer survivor, became drawn to the health benefits of loose leaf tea during her recovery. Her message is simple and powerful. Tea in its freshest form renders premium flavor, unmatched health benefits, and is eco-friendly. 
Maria is also the author of Cancer Hates Tea, which is a beautiful and very inspirational and informative book that was published in 2016. She was recognized as the top tea health advocate at the 2017 World Tea Expo. She is also featured at conferences nationwide, in the print media, on television, radio, and podcast interviews for her success as a social entrepreneur and certified tea and fitness nutrition expert. The Tea Spot's premium award-winning loose leaf tea blends are micro-blended in small batches. The company's inspiring hot and cold brew teas rise up to meet the challenges of modern life. Whether it's a kick to get you going in the morning or just a small escape from the stresses of the day, at the Tea Spot, there's a handcrafted tea that's perfect for every moment. With full leaf teas, botanical and functional teas, the company has evolved age-old tradition to allow exquisite flavor and good health to collide in every cup. We had a wonderful conversation with Maria and could have talked to her for hours. Even as avid tea drinkers, we learned so much about the health benefits of tea, the different types of tea, and why the quality of what you drink really makes a difference. We both are huge fans of the Tea Spot, drinking their delicious teas daily and using their trademarked steepware, which really does make drinking loose leaf tea easy and accessible even when you're on the go. Maria shares the benefits of drinking a variety of different teas and her tips to start a tea habit. We think drinking high quality loose leaf tea throughout the day to stay hydrated, energized, and relaxed is a wonderful habit to introduce as we kick off the new year. The Tea Spot has a special offer right now for all of our listeners. You'll receive 20% off your purchase throughout the month of January using the code LIVINGWELL. So head on over to theteaspot.com and stock up on a variety of delicious teas today. And with that, let's dive right into our conversation with Maria Uspinski. Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Art of Living Well podcast today. We were connected through someone that I met from Hey Mama, which is a community for working moms, and we instantly connected over our similar passion to inspire and empower healthy living through simple lifestyle changes, including tea. And Marnie and I love meeting like-minded people in the health and wellness space who, like yourself, use their own personal challenges and health journey to start a business that has had such a powerful impact on others. So thank you very much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So let's just start out and we'd love for you to share your health journey, including your cancer diagnosis and how you ultimately founded the T-Spot. Well, yes, the two are very closely intertwined. And essentially, I had always loved tea, but had probably never had a cup of green tea, or if so, it was not very memorable, until after I had already been most of the way through my cancer journey. And it was literally coming out of it. And in in New York City, there was a, a building that was right across the street from uh, MSKCC Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center that had an incredible tea shop in the ground floor. And this is a tea chain that is based out of Boston, but they they have since closed their New York store. It was called Tea Lux. And, you know, you come out of your treatment and before you start your drive or go home, you just sort of wanna regroup and recenter. And, I started to try a lot of different teas there. And I asked them, you know, why did you set up in this business building here? And they said, because a lot of the doctors send people across the street to get tea. Mm -hmm. 
So I thought, oh, that's interesting. None of my doctors had actually spoken with me about the health benefits of tea as an anti-cancer agent. And so I started reading about it. And this is, of course, in the very early years of the internet. So there weren't a ton of uh, documents that I could find easily. But what I did find was very compelling, in particular with respect to cancer's ability to keep us more immune from women's type of cancers, which is what I was dealing with. It was ovarian cancer. And even since that time, there's a study that's even far more compelling. The one that I looked to at the time, I thought that my cancer was probably caused by environmental conditions because I had been living what I thought was a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, I guess it could always be healthier is, is the answer to that one. But it was a study that was done on women in the vicinity of Hiroshima after the bomb was dropped during the Second World War. And many of those who weren't taken out by the first effects of the bomb developed breast cancer. And I just assumed that all women's cancers had some kind of hormonal thing in, in common. And But those women who drank five or more cups of tea, and in Japan, it's always green tea. And in Japan, cups are six ounces. So let's say 30 ounces or more of green tea per day had an 80% lower incidence of that cancer. So that just, that was enough for me to say, okay, this is, you know, tea. It's not like I need to buy a new house or a new car. This is something that I can do for pennies a day. And because all of the studies that I had read at that point focused on green tea, I was like, okay, I need to start drinking green tea. Did not enjoy it. So as you may know, as tea lovers, if you either get a low grade green tea or even a great green tea and don't steep it correctly, it's, it's pretty hard to swig down. And I also decided that oh, I needed the most potent of green teas. So I got matcha. But because I was, as I always am on a budget, I did not get invest in, in matcha can get very pricey. And it was just, it was very unpleasant to drink, but I drank it every morning and continued to drink other teas throughout the day. So really since that time, five cups of tea a day have been my mantra. And in my book, Cancer Hates Tea, I definitely have a, I have a three week program on how to easily get yourself to those five cups a day. And again, cups we're looking at in terms of like six to eight ounces per cup. So between 30 and 40 ounces of tea a day. And it's an easy lifestyle change that whether you have cancer that's knocking at your door, heart disease or weight management issues, it's something that will make most people feel better if they can get off of drinking kind of more highly caffeinated beverages like coffee or energy drinks or Coca-Cola. Uh, and transition to something that's more natural and really filled with so many beneficial phytochemicals as is tea throughout the day. So um, are, is that just for women's cancer or are you saying for all cancers? No, I mean, tea has been shown to be a relatively strong natural anti-cancer agent against many different types of cancers, ranging from prostate cancer and stomach and colon cancer to women's cancers that include, of course, breast cancer, uterine and ovarian cancer. And it's even been shown to perhaps have some 
immune boosting effects or, or correlation between lower incidence of brain cancer. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So, so you were drinking, you started drinking this tea yeah. um, and kind of researching and um, what, what drove you to actually start a business in tea and how long has it been like kind of since that time? And yeah, God um, only knows, I guess is <laughs> the answer to that one. It was the day that I got my no evidence of disease diagnosis. So you're, you know, you're on this treadmill, you're dealing with this disease, your life changes, you feel like you're not able to give your kids as much as they need. And you're just kind of harnessing all the energy you can to take care of yourself. And it's sometimes difficult to maintain a positive attitude and see light at the end of the tunnel. And then when all of a sudden it's announced to you that you're at the finish line, mm -hmm. at least for now, you're like, I literally just dropped in the parking lot when I left that hospital and just like cried, prayed, you know, just, just yeah. like, it, it just, it's, it's life-changing again in the same way as getting your diagnosis is. And at that moment, I just thought I have two daughters. I thought one of the first things I realized when I had cancer, so my mom had the same cancer at the same time. I thought, wow, I never would have had girls if I'd had any idea that I have this predisposition. So I just, it's just one of these immediate kind of flash brainstorms where you're thinking, I need to do something to help young women not go through what I just went through. Mm -hmm. Of course, starting with your own children, but really the, the whole community at large. And I was too old to try to retrain as a cancer researcher, uh, but tea had really helped me. And I just thought at that time, I need to start a really quality tea company that makes the tools that make healthy whole leaf tea easy to steep because those are the ones with the health benefits and essentially seduce the American public into a healthier drinking habit, that being tea, just by making it delicious, fun, and easy. And that's how we try to position ourselves at the tea spot, even though we do come at it from the perspective of a wellness beverage, it is uh, critical to us that it be an enjoyable and a type of experience that people will want to come back to every day because that is what builds your immunity, what helps boost your health, hydration, and happiness, as we say, is doing it as an ongoing practice. Oh, I love all of what you just said. I think it's such a great start to this conversation day because like you said, you started drinking tea towards the end of your treatment, the green tea, but you didn't love it, but you did it because you had heard and read all these studies. Um, but so to make it accessible to people and have it be delicious, fun, and easy so that they want to do it every day. And it's not something that's a chore, but really it's a habit that people look forward to doing. And that's what you've created with the tea spot. You've just so said it far better than I did. <laughs> yeah. yes. oh, oh no, <laughs> I don't think so. So let's dive into the specifics of the properties that are in tea that contribute to providing the most health benefits, because there are so many types of tea out there. And I think, you know, a lot of us have heard, oh, green tea is good for us, but however, they may not fully understand why. Mm -hmm. Well, and also while you're um, explaining that, I would also love for you to tell us if green tea is the only tea 
that you're referring to in terms of the anti-cancer property. That's a great place to Just start, actually. Part, as part yeah. B there or A to that sure. question. <laughs> well, as it turns out, and of course, there's not a single tea health talk that I can give without someone asking, what's the healthiest tea I can drink? Mm-hmm. So keep this in mind. All tea comes from the same plant. So whether it turns into a white tea, green tea, black tea, oolong tea, or a pu'er tea, which we'll touch on those for just a bit, is completely dependent on the processing, how that leaf is processed after it's plucked from the tea, tree. So green tea is green and closer, as you can imagine, to the color of the leaf on the tree because it has the shortest time of processing. You pluck it from the tree, you then go through a step that's called kill green, which means you heat it up so that there's no more enzymatic activity in the leaves. Because when you pluck any kind of a leaf from any plant, it immediately starts to wilt, dehydrate, the cell walls break down, and there's an enzymatic process that begins in that piece of leaf material begins to denature or evolve, change. So black tea is left to do that process or to oxidize for a much longer period of time before it goes through its drying enzyme killing phase. So again, green tea looks like a fresh green tea leaf. Black tea does not. Oolong tea is in between. And white tea is literally plucked from the tree. And like green tea, it's very close to the actual fresh tea leaf. It's just immediately dried, even without that enzymatic step. And so they all share a a similar set of polyphenol antioxidants and prepared with two grams of leaves, every tea every serving of tea will give you about the same number of polyphenol antioxidants, so about 240 milligrams. But it's that mix of antioxidants, of polyphenols, that's different in the different types of tea. So there are hundreds of phytochemicals of beneficial molecules in tea, but we're going to focus at this point on the polyphenols. And polyphenols are important. Why do we care about the polyphenols in tea? It's because those are the disease fighting, the immune boosting agents. So polyphenols have what's called or perform what's called an antioxidant action. And that is when something is off or down in your microbiological system, these antioxidants go in and neutralize those chemicals that have gone awry that are called free radicals. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's just that you've, you know, trounced your muscles after a tough exercise session, or whether you have driven your body into a state of less than optimal health by poor eating habits or smoking, or if you're aging, or if there's a disease that's incoming, you will have thousands of cells that are starting to denature that are whose DNA is starting to go awry. And the way that cancer starts is that that kind of mess 
of a particular type actually changes your DNA pattern. So that DNA that says exactly, you know, Marnie is going to look like this and want to eat this kind of stuff when she's 40, that DNA map changes where all of a sudden it's like Marnie is going to be ill, this horrible thing to say in six months from now. But what can happen, <laughs> awful, these antioxidants will come in and say, get out of Marnie, we are going to neutralize you. And they literally sacrifice themselves, giving up an electron, dying their own cellular life and saving Marnie's cells from going down the wrong path. And so that's why people are in search of antioxidants, whether it's from berries or leafy greens or tea. As it turns out, tea is the number one source of polyphenols in the human diet. Hmm. It is the second most consumed liquid on the planet after water. We are not a great tea drinking population in the US and in particular, well, in North America and in particular in the US, Canadians are actually three times better tea drinkers than we are, but worldwide, three times as much tea is consumed as is coffee. So um, it is something that's accessible to people of all kind of economic backgrounds and a very strong protective natural agent against disease. Most recently, what's been of interest to people this year in 20 or last year, I should say in 2020, was that uh, people started asking about teas, possible antiviral actions or tea and herbs, antiviral actions. And that is something that in the same way that the antioxidants can help with neutralizing free radicals in our body, there are certain teas in particular green teas and puer teas that we'll talk about in a moment, which have some strong antiviral actions that have been demonstrated in the lab. Uh, they have also been demonstrated in population studies. So for instance, children who grew up on tea farms in Japan had far lower incidence of cold and influenza than kids who did not grow up on tea farms. Now that's granted, you know, somewhat of an anecdotal population study, but um, in vitro, so in, in, in the lab, it has been shown that certain molecules in tea, so again, the catechin polyphenols in green tea can bind to viral replication sites in our bodies and not allow a virus to proliferate. So how does a virus um, differentiate from a bacterial infection? So a bacterial infection or a bacteria is an entire cell, it's an organism. A virus is not, a virus is kind of living on the edge of life, it has no cell wall. It needs to find a host in order to replicate. And so the um, EGCG, catechin polyphenol in green tea has been shown to be able to not permit that binding of the virus to the replication site, to its target site. So it works much like the targeted therapies that people are looking at in order to try to thwart viruses. Another tea that is my favorite for its antiviral actions is a green puer. So puer tea is a tea, again, that comes from the same leaf as all the other green, white, black, and oolong teas. But that leaf is not 
does not go through as serious a kill green step in the beginning. It's a slightly milder kill green step. So it doesn't completely kill the enzymatic action. It heats it and dries it about 95%, but the moisture that's remaining in the leaf allows that green tea leaf, that pu'er green tea leaf to continue to denature, or as the Chinese like to say, to age gracefully. So it mellows with age and it actually changes flavor with age. And those leaves for pu'er teas, their primary polyphenol are not those catechins that are the big cancer fighting agents in green tea and black tea. They are, that is something called strictinin is the main polyphenol in pu'er tea. And that one has been shown in many tests to have very effective antiviral actions. Wow. I'm sorry. I, I drone on, but yeah, no, I had, yeah, I had no idea. Um, I mean, I've always known that tea is good for you and I drink tons of tea, but I had no idea the depth of what you were talking about existed in tea, I guess. And I, I mean, I guess I've never really thought about it. Well, it's the um, most studied anti-cancer plant. That's so interesting. So I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start. I, I guess one of my questions is, you know, I'm thinking back to when my mom went through chemotherapy and her doctor told her, you know, no supplements, no this, no that. It could all interact with the chemotherapy. Uh, what about tea? Is that totally allowed? Do doctors say, sorry, no tea because of the because of the um, polyphenols. That's a really good point. So when I was going through chemo, which is now, and so the T-spot was founded 16 and a half years ago. So that's when that all ended for me. Uh, I was told no caffeine. So uh, that's why I was at the very end of my coming out of cancer journey before I started to look at this as a possible protective kind of measure. So I did not drink any tea while like your mom probably did or any caffeinated tea. I probably did drink herbal teas just to calm myself, but uh, it's mixed. So of course, not being a medical practitioner, I can't really speak out on it. Mm -hmm. I would tend to agree with what I did and not have any caffeine. However, maybe you can have a decaffeinated green tea, but again, those polyphenols that you say, could they be interfering with the therapy? I think it would largely depend on the therapy as to whether they were interfering or whether they were enhancing it. So I think anything that boosts your immune system should be a, an assistant, but again, without having the appropriate medical professional to say, this is the therapy, this is how it acts, this, these are the types of things you may have and the ones that you may not have. It's, you do absolutely just need to follow the advice of your medical practitioner. And I would probably not want to have any caffeine whilst going through those kinds of treatments. But it sounds like it's a great thing to do once you finish your treatments. Yeah. Um, and preventatively, you know, hopefully, preventatively exactly. before, exactly. hopefully you never have to even go through chemotherapy because yeah. you're drinking so much green tea. Yeah. And I, I do have friends who've gone through chemo in the last few years and their doctors have recommended green tea. So, okay. It, so it's know, next. There's, 
Yes, it's mixed. I was just going to say one more thing. I think a lot of doctors possibly could be shying away from it just because they don't know. And so if they don't know something, they're not going to recommend it. Absolutely. Yeah. Better safe than sorry, of course. Exactly. And now we want to take a quick break from today's conversation to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Lakewinds Co-op, which is a favorite grocery store of ours to shop at in the Twin Cities. We love that Lakewinds has such high standards and vets every single product on their shelves, including their amazing personal care and supplement section so that we don't have to. As busy parents, we don't always have the time or the desire to read every ingredient label. And we, when we shop at Lakewinds, we have confidence that it's been done for us. Grocery shopping should be an enjoyable and calm experience, and Lakewinds does everything to make your experience stress-free from the moment you walk in the door. The decor and aesthetics are really calming and inviting, and we have never met such knowledgeable and friendly staff in all the departments, including meat and seafood, in the wellness department, and produce. We love Lakewinds produce section, which focuses on organic and fair trade products. About 95% of the produce is organic and local as much as possible. And they really support the local and small sustainable farmers right here in Minnesota and Wisconsin. The meat buyers actually visit the farms. They talk to the ranchers and see their practices to ensure that the animals are ethically raised and treated, which is really important to us. All of their meat is free from additives, synthetic preservatives, nitrates, antibiotic residues, steroids, and added growth hormones. Unlike many traditional grocery stores, Lakewinds has a banned ingredient list that is used to vet the products on their shelf, which includes artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, high fructose corn syrup, hydrogenated oil, etc. This applies to the food on their shelves, as well as the supplements and beauty and personal care products in their wellness department. If an item doesn't meet the product standards, Lakewinds doesn't allow it on their store. And we love that peace of mind. We also love how they seek out local small batch makers who meet their standards and really try to support our local businesses. We all know that maintaining a healthy body and mind has huge implications on our immune systems and being able to fight off the flu. So support your health and wellness in the new year by shopping at your local co-op. You can find the fabulous Lakewinds co-ops in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield, or have groceries delivered from Instacart. While Lakewinds Co-op is a member-owned store, you don't have to be a member to shop and receive their weekly specials. Although we highly recommend that you do become members like us for additional monthly savings and an annual dividend. You can find out more by going to lakewinds.coop. And when you're there, be sure to check out their delicious recipes. And if you don't live in the Twin Cities, we highly encourage you to find your local co-op by heading over to National Co-op Grocers and finding one near you. Now, the woman who wrote the foreword to my book, Cancer Hates Tea, is an integrative oncologist from UCLA. And she is a strong proponent of tea. Um, well, you said but, she's an integrative, right? Yes. Doctor, exactly. which is probably the distinction. And we, yes. Um, so let's actually pivot a little bit since you mentioned your book, Cancer Hates Tea which is honestly one of the most beautiful, like insightful and but practical books I've read. I mean, the photography in here is amazing. There's so much information. Um, so 
when did you decide to write the book and what was that process like? I never would have decided to just write the book. <laughs> I was very quiet about really this whole story. It, it's what, it's not something that you are happy to talk about. Well, first of all, my mom passed about three weeks after I got better from the same disease. So that's very difficult. And then as you're going through those first five, then 10, then 12 years post-disease, you know, now it's 15 plus for me. Sure, it gets a little easier, but there have, I've needed to take certain management kind of measures in order to ensure that I stay healthy. And you just, I don't know, you, you don't want to jinx yourself by really coming out with it. Uh, so I had gotten a call from a publisher who'd seen some reading, uh, writing that I'd done on our blog and on other industry blogs. And he said, oh, hey, we'd really like for you to do a tea recipe book. So this publisher, Page Street Books, does a lot of how-to kind of things with foods and beverages. And I just said, oh, you know, I, I just don't have time. I'm not interested. And so I left the office and told my colleagues, they're like, what? what? You turned down a, a book situation? I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, you call him right back and you say that you'd like to do it. And I said, I, I somehow I need to make it more fun. And because the health aspect was so important to me, I don't know. I just, we kind of decided on, I uh, decided on really telling the story and making it kind of a practical manual, hopefully for those people who are looking to find some natural measures to improve their overall state of wellness. Well, that's the thing. I love that there's this health component of the book, but there's lifestyle tips and you talk about reducing stress um, as well as just being a very informative resource for all different types of tea including the recipes that you mentioned. I mean, there's these matcha truffles that I've actually been wanting to make before I saw them in your book. And so I can't wait to try those. And there's like pesto and salad dressing. So very creative ways to incorporate the health Thanks. benefits of tea, which yeah, is awesome. Um, so diving into a little bit about some of the things that you talk about in the tea. Um, are there certain types of tea that people really should drink to reap the benefits? I mean, we talked about the black and the green and the oolong, um, but there's just great question. So my answer to that question of what's the healthiest tea that I should drink, mm -hmm. it's drink the one you love the most mm -hmm. because it's the one that you'll drink the most of. So if you're sipping that little green tea, like it's medicine, you're going to have a hard time getting through 30 ounces of it. But if you find a black tea that you adore, it still has the same total number of polyphenols, remember, but it may have only one third of those really strong anti-cancer ones in it. You'll probably drink three times more of it than you would the green tea. Another answer that a colleague that I respect so much in the tea industry, Babette Donaldson, gives to that question is drink the freshest possible tea. And that's actually a really good point. So everything that we've talked about today pertains to whole leaf tea that you steep yourself. That is what the tests have been done on. That is what people drink traditionally in Asia, of course, and in, in most nations around the world. We are the country of convenience. It's the Western world. It's actually the US that came up with 
the tea bag with iced tea, with sugared iced teas and all the bottled stuff. So those have trace amounts of these polyphenol antioxidants. It's when you steep the tea yourself that you really reap the benefits. And similarly, so in our smallish, medium-sized company, we never have a tea, we rarely have a tea that is more than a year old because we go through it so quickly. So all of our sourcing is of the current, I, I wouldn't even say rarely, all of our sourcing is of the current year's harvest. And that is important in terms of, again, the effectiveness of the tea. A tea that has been A, packaged into, you know, dusty kind of stale tea bags is sitting in that paper tea bag package and on a shelf for an extended period of time. It's not going to give you nearly as much bang for the buck, either in terms of health benefits or flavor as when you steep a fresh tea on your own. So that's really good to know because like I, you know, I, I was just recently introduced to your tea and I absolutely love it. And it's really one of the first times I've enjoyed steeping my own tea because in the past when I've done it, I don't know, I just haven't loved the tools I've had, but now, you know, you sent us the, what do you call the thing Stephanie has, the, the tumbler, yeah, tumbler, it just makes it so simple and easy to do. And I'm enjoying it so much. But before that, I was buying quite a bit of the paper bagged teas, I guess you could say. Um, so that's sad. <laughs> well, it, it is sad. Quantities of things. Yeah. yeah. And not know. That's, mm -hmm. it, it is, you know, it's always buyer beware, unfortunately. And with tea, it was shocking to me, the difference in quality with respect to the health benefits. Again, the antioxidant bang for your buck, as I like to call it. So I think I just have one more question about that. Um, when you're talking about, you know, drinking the teas that you enjoy versus like just the green tea or whatever, what about, um, so I drink a lot of herbal tea without caffeine in it. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of peppermint tea, ginger tea, turmeric tea, like all of those in that family of teas, I guess I would say, do those have the same benefits or benefits like the teas with they the caffeine? They certainly in them? have many benefits and herbs have been used traditionally as medicinal beverages for as long as or longer than tea even. So what we, and when we refer to tea at the tea spot, we generally talk about real tea as well as herbs, but they have very different benefits. So even though turmeric, for instance, and peppermint are strong anti-inflammatory kind of agents, they don't have those catechin polyphenols that green tea, for instance, does, but they have different kinds of disease fighting agents. And again, the reduction of inflammation, inflammation being a precursor to disease is a very important attribute of those kinds of teas. And then I forget what the first one you said that you drink a lot of as well. I said ginger. Ginger, also an excellent um, antiseptic even kind of tea and has antiviral properties to boot. So yeah, I mean, all of them have, uh, many of them I should say, but all of those that you've mentioned are, are very strong in health benefits. Again, if you get 
a good quality version of it and that you're really mm-hmm. getting some appreciable amounts of that that root or that leaf in your tea. I've become a huge fan of adaptogenic herbs this year. So as I uh, as I age gracefully, like the puerity leaf, it is something that really can help center, especially I feel with, well, women, of course, not ever having been a male, I don't know, but I find that it is, it's um, nice to have an herbal beverage, which adaptogens are known to bring you back to center. So whether you've been dragged down and need a lift or whether you've been spun up and need to be grounded, adaptogens will bring you back to center. And they're a class of herbs which uh, have only been identified or defined since the mid 20th century. It was a Soviet researcher who was finding natural ways to help combat pilots fight stress that came across these and in particular visual stress of being out in this extreme sunlight. So tea is a secondary adaptogen, but primary adaptogens include turmeric and ginger. You've probably also heard more recently of ashwagandha, Ashwagandha. maca, rhodiola is my personal favorite one. And so we came out with a tea this year that's called adaptogenic chai and it's 12 we call them twigs and and roots or something, but (laughs) 12 herbs and roots that there's no flavoring in this tea. It's hundred percent organic. And it is one of the tastiest chais I've ever tried. I love to just cook it on the stove and those herbs have a lot to give. So I boil it on the stove, take off a cup, and then I just cold brew it. You can brew it another two to three times. Those herbs just keep giving and giving. And yeah, there's so many powerful, powerful herbals. I mean, peppermint for which we in the US are so well known. It was, it's not native to our country but we are the number one producers of it now. Um, I adore peppermint and we do have it in a lot of blends. Hibiscus is another great herbal that is known for its uh, blood detoxification and uh, what do you call it, anti, um, hypertension kind of properties. So yeah, chamomile as well, which is actually what I'm drinking because it's so nice on your throat. So when you're speaking, it's helpful to sip some chamomile. Well, I just love all the different, like the creative component of the tea, because there's so many different blends that you have and just, you can actually pay attention and see the different herbs that you include in there and how they're different and the smell. I mean, it's just and you don't need very much. You just need a little teaspoon. Agreed. So, no, thank you. I want to just think, encourage everyone to like, I know it's intimidating sometimes to brew your own tea and to have the loose leaf. And that's honestly, over the years, I've bought several different types of loose leaf tea and I get, you know, we're all quick. We want everything fast and easy and convenient. So after a couple of times, I just go back to the tea bags and now I'm hooked. Um, but thank I do. And I will yes. mention, At the tea spot, we do have most of our teas, most of our whole leaf teas available now in that three-dimensional pyramid sachet format. It's exactly the same tea. It just costs more per serving because of course it takes more labor and packaging and all that good stuff, but they're hundred percent biodegradable. So they're no worse for the planet than if you steep it loose, just a little worse for your pocketbook. (laughs) Yes. 
Okay, so talk about the difference then between that sachet that you have and what you would find on most supermarket shelves because it's confusing out there, you know, because a lot of tea products are being touted as having health benefits and there's the bottled tea and the grocery store teas and then premium tea, loose leaf tea. So can you maybe dissect a little bit of that for us and even talk a little bit about the cost too? Yeah, that's probably the toughest thing for an a beginning tea drinker. And I remember also just going in the grocery aisle, you know, no matter what store you go in, there's just, there's so much more variety in tea, let's say, than there is in coffee, right? You might be faced with between five and 12 different coffees, fine. Tea, oh my goodness, there's 80 to 100 different things to choose from. And you don't have six mm-hmm. hours to be reading all the labels in, in the store. So it really does come down to again quality. Are you be are you drinking the whole leaf or not? So in those flat paper tea bags, which really were invented at the beginning of the 20th century in the U.S. when we were really starting to get into mechanization, they uh, for two reasons they ended up going with a very low grade of tea. First of all, because a full leaf wouldn't fit in the flat tea bag. And so they thought, oh, that's great because the two lowest grades of tea at auction are literally called dust and fannings. And that's what is in most tea bags. It's the two lowest grades of tea. It's so you can imagine if you have a premium or you know, specialty tea company like our own, it's literally what you're wiping off, <laughs> wiping up off of the floor at night. And I, I know that sounds horrible, but it's it's just the bits that fall off the leaves. And the way they grade it is the whole leaf is here, you know, it just sieves on down and oh well, that's what's left, but we can sell it. So you sell it to the people who make the flat tea bags. The other thing that works for kind of the flat tea bag crowd with respect to having the dust is you can imagine it steeps a lot quicker. So to get to the oomph, to the root of what's in a full leaf of tea, you need to steep it a little longer. You need to allow that leaf both time and the space to open up. So you don't have the space in the flat tea bags and people who are into convenience are in a hurry. So they're like, oh, hey, 30 seconds, my tea is done. Now, with respect to what do you have in that cup uh, from a biological standpoint is, is chemical standpoint is not as interesting as what you would get from letting a full leaf tea steep its three to five minutes, depending on, you know, how long, what type, et cetera. And most specialty teas do have on the package very explicit, you know, use boiling water or use water that's only at about 175 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, Many people these days have kettles that have variable temperature settings on them. If you don't have that, um, if you want to steep a green tea, you can just pour the water into your mug or teapot and wait three or four minutes. And as soon as that water is just too hot to the touch, you can put your tea leaves in. You know, it's, it's not scalding. So you want that water between 170 and 175 Fahrenheit. And then black teas, really, a lot of people say 195. Uh, Here at Altitude, I can't get my water above 195. But uh, 195 to boiling is great for black tea. Herbals, you really want to boil them or even cook them, like I said, on the stove. Um, But yeah, for tea, and you'll find what you like, whether you like it stronger or lighter, 
all of us at the tea spot have different tastes, very different tastes and take our teas very differently. And so I think that's part of the journey is figuring out what you love, what time of day it works for you and how you want to steep it. Speaking of favorite teas, what is your favorite tea right now? Mm. And why? <laughs> In a sense, it's so fickle. It's usually the one I'm drinking right now. But um, really that green puer is- Can you spell puer? Sure, yeah. yeah. And that's also a good question because it's not obvious. It's P-U apostrophe E-R-H. I've never even heard um, of that. No, I mean, I hadn't either until I got into the tea industry. And it's uh, that aged and fermented tea and the wild harvest green puer, again, because we have a connection with the farmers, with the land. We even adopted a tea tree there and just recently came out with some very exclusive tea cakes made from our favorite tree, which is kind Aww. of funny. Oh, but we literally, all of us who were there from the tea spot just took long amounts of time sitting under this ancient tea tree. And I just, I wondered why are they all doing that? And then I went and sat under that tree and literally this is going to sound a little strange. When I went to get up from the tree, the tree kind of held me back. That's and then awesome. later on, we asked our hosts, because we didn't have, any, have anyone who spoke Chinese with us at the time, uh, we said, so there's this tree, and, and we all, and they said, oh, that tree, it's the most ancient one in the forest, and this big old gnarly tea, you can, tree, you can see pictures of it on our website under uh, ancient, wisdom of the ancients, ancient tree puer. And we now have this cake. I have bought one because they're pricey. That is uh, the whole year's harvest. So we have now essentially contracted to secure the leaves from that tree every year. And wow. that whole harvest is collected from spring through fall. And then they're mixed and they press them into these tea cakes that are 200 grams each and you know about a hundred servings. And wow. I believe they're 90 bucks a cake, but how do they taste? They, it tastes, I love this, this tea. It may be an acquired tea taste because it is definitely the closest thing to a fresh tea leaf. It is definitely fresh and botanical and not something that you would have grown up being used to in our Western hemisphere. But it's interesting, I did an interview with uh, a journalist on the East Coast recently, and she had tried a lot of different teas during COVID. And she said, and your tea is the one that's on my kitchen counter. Uh, that tea is just exquisite. Now she's a serious foodie and has written food books. But I was so proud to hear that from someone uh, with her level of expertise. That that tea was an acquired taste for me. The first time I tried a green puer, I just thought, whoa, that, that's a little too intense. It is intense, but it's, it mellows with age. So well, I can't yes. wait there, to try it. I need to get a sample of it first. Yes. Is yeah. there a, um, is there caffeine in it? Yes. Yeah. There okay. is caffeine in it, but that's the one that has those high levels of strictinin, that uh -huh. highly antiviral compound. Yeah. So you and have so, to drink it in the morning. Sorry. Yeah, I actually, I, 
my husband loves it in the morning. I love it in the afternoon. I can drink caffeine until about four o'clock. Okay. Um, but I do love it in the morning as well. I tend to go for a Japanese green in the morning. Uh, and But I also love, so the other side of that we've been talking about green puer is there's also ripe puer or dark puer. And that's the puer that's been through an accelerated fermentation process and it is blacker than black. And it is the base of our two best selling or two of our top selling breakfast blends, Boulder Breakfast and Morning Mojo have a lot of puer in them. Well, you know, and it's interesting. I, I used to drink like English breakfast years ago and I have stopped and I switched to green tea and I don't drink as much caffeine anymore. And now you're making me want to go back and try some of your black teas. Like I'm going to be really excited about it. Very um, yummy. Yeah. Yes. So what about the cost? Like, and you touched upon this a little bit, yeah, but loose really leaf versus the sachets and does price make a difference? Cause even when you're buying the flat tea bags, right, you can go into a store and for what, 20 tea bags, you could spend $2.99 or you could spend $15. Agreed. So, yeah, totally. So honestly, the cheapest way is to steep it yourself. So even if you get the 24 tea bags for, let's say four bucks, you're probably paying at that point, what, like 16 cents per serving, a uh, loose tea will range anywhere from 10 cents to 30 cents a serving. So even if you're drinking the priciest loose teas, which is let's say 30 cents a serving, that's a buck 50 a day, but that's if you do the work yourself. Yeah. So that's still far less than going out and you know, only a Coke at McDonald's will beat that on price, right? right. Or coffee at McDonald's. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, steep it yourself is really the answer to that. And it's not always in the, uh, um, the price is not always dictating the quality of the tea. Price is very much influenced by brand. Mm -hmm. And we tend to pay more for a lot of brand perception. So I, I would always advocate start small, find what you love. And you'll know if it's fresh. If it looks like a tea leaf, it's, a, it's fresh. If it looks like dust, it probably is. <laughs> well, and people spend a lot of money to get dust tea, actually, if you think about yes. it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, a lot of that is in the flavoring. Flavoring is probably the most expensive component in cheaper teas. Right. And that, by that, do you mean like the natural flavors that like on mm -hmm. a label or an ingredients? Mm-hmm. So you touched very early on, you mentioned matcha, I think briefly, maybe you talked about that as part of what your daily routine is. So matcha has been a little bit more popular and trendy. I've listened to lots of podcasts talking about it. What are some of the benefits? And there's like the ceremonial grade matcha, which I know you have on, you have a couple different types of matchas on your site yes. that you sell. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that and the ritual. So matcha, as opposed to leaf green tea, the basic difference between matcha and all other green teas is that you are ingesting the whole leaf, right? It's powdered green tea, which you whisk up in water and then drink it. There's nothing left at the end. Whereas of course, when we steep a tea, the leaves are still hanging out. So clearly some level of leaf matter benefit chemicals is left in those steeped leaves even after we've extracted everything that we want for our serving of it and with matcha you drink the whole thing so it is much higher in both vitamin c 
and then another molecule, um, L-theanine that we'll talk about. It's got about twice the antioxidants, maybe three times, depending on the quality of matcha and what leaf green tea you're comparing it to, than a steeped green tea. Uh, it does not have hundreds or thousands of times of the antioxidants, which you can read on the web that it does. If it did, it would kill you. So it's a good thing it doesn't. <laughs> so matcha, uh, the, the primary benefit from matcha is, of course, its health benefit, but the energetic benefit is very calming at the same time as being focusing. So because you're drinking that whole leaf that's powdered, I feel that it crosses the blood brain barrier very rapidly. So if things are either, when, when things are really bad, I'll go whisk up a bowl of matcha because <laughs> that will get me to think clearly about what's going on. It's so interesting because my 17 year old daughter loves matcha. Wow. Like she loves it. And I've tried it a number of times and maybe I'm just not putting the right mix of things in, but I don't love it. She loves it. She drinks. Well, it you can time. make a matcha latte. Well, part of the reason she might love it is because a lot of actresses and models uh, have matcha as part of their daily routine and <laughs> say that it keeps them smell. No, I'm sorry. And I don't mean to take away from your 17 year old daughter, but there are a lot of really uh, uh, key personalities that are helping to promote matcha, which of course helps the category. It's a great thing. Black Puer is another one, which is definitely promoted for its health and beauty benefits. So both of those are kind of the, the health and beauty teas. And matcha, um, again, that L-theanine is present only in tea and one other mushroom. And it's actually extracted from tea and turned into a supplement for children with ADHD. So it's that focusing and calming. And uh, Marnie, if there's a tea that you want to look to drink kind of towards the end of your day, you might try matcha. I mean, I hope I, it doesn't keep you up all night, but because of the higher proportion of L-theanine with respect to caffeine, the two of those work together it's one that you might be able to drink a little later into the day. I know that it is for me. I can drink matcha five or six o'clock at night. And what's your, um, like, how do you prepare your matcha? How do you I like to take my it? Matcha, but <laughs> I would advocate for you, if you don't like it, I would, I would try two things. First of all, I would try a matcha latte. Mm -hmm. And like we that. definitely have recipes on our site. You can Google them. There's all kinds of different ones. So an easy way to do it is just to get some matcha whisked up with a little bit of water and then either throw it into a blender or just whisk it with some coconut milk, almond milk, whatever you'd like, you can heat it or not. Add a little honey if you'd like to start to get more used to it. But if you want to whisk it, do get a ceremonial grade matcha. If you're, and this is where I went wrong when I first started with matcha, I got kind of culinary grade. You can usually tell from the color, if it's electric bright, green, if it's literally almost a neon green, it's ceremonial grade. If it's khaki green, it is probably a culinary grade matcha or it's just very stale. So uh, to whisk it is so easy. So you can take any bowl, but matcha bowls are designed and they're not that expensive to make whisking easy with slightly um, beveled in edges so that it doesn't come 
flying out the top as you're whisking. And you put a half teaspoon in and then about a teaspoon of water. First make a paste and then add water at about 175 to 180 degrees Fahrenheit. So again, that water that you've boiling water that you've poured and let sit for like three minutes, add that. And for about a half teaspoon, I like to add between four and six ounces of water. Uh, you may want to add more if you want to make it thinner, but I think about six ounces of water to half a teaspoon is a really good way to start. But if you're whisking your own and if you're drinking it straight, definitely buy the good stuff. Okay. That's good to know because I was going to come buy some matcha. I, I, I used to drink it and I've made matcha lattes and I really like it. And then I just got out of the habit of it. And I, and I haven't had one for a while. Yeah. And for lattes and all of those kind of uh, food type recipes that I have in my book, don't waste your money on ceremonial grade for that because as soon as right. you mix it with other things and yeah, uh, ceremonial grade matcha is pricey. You know, it's like 30 bucks for a 20 gram tin, which is 40 servings again. So it's not that much per serving, but it's still yeah. a lot to shell out $30 at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I love how you have like a whole section in your book about yoga, meditation, and just some of the benefits of tea aside from what we talked about with the antioxidants and the properties in the leaf, but just the ritual that having the tea um, can help with, you know, obviously your stress and putting yourself into more of the rest and relaxation state um, and yoga. And you even talked about like how it took you years to figure out yoga. It's not all about the poses. It's about getting out of your brain and into your heart, which I loved. So can you share a little bit why cancer hates yoga and breathing and how all these work together with the, the drinking? No, absolutely. But I'll start by saying that tea can get you in that state faster. So since we were just on L-theanine, L-theanine can help urge, encourage your brain into that meditative state. So if you're having some difficulty meditating, I would definitely say that a bowl of matcha could help get you there more rapidly. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of, yeah, I think cancer hates yoga. Absolutely. Cancer <laughs> hates meditation in a big way. Cancer hates exercise. <laughs> cancer hates love and family. You know, cancer hates, uh, gosh, cancer hates gratitude. You're right. I love that. Um, it's just so much about what we, what Marnie and I talk about all the time, but I just think yes. when, when you hear those words, you're like, wow, you know, I'm not taking time to meditate or exercise or fuel your body with really good food just because I think it's the trendy thing to do. It's no, I'm taking care of myself. It's self-care. And this all kind of goes into that self-care, self-love umbrella. Totally. That's why when my colleague Jessica and I first uh, met you, Stephanie, and looked at your website and your podcast, we just said, wow, if we were to do a, a, well, a lifestyle wellness program, this would be it. So uh -huh. we definitely embrace and stand for the same things. And that's, I just think that getting the word out is so important. And it's, it's just fabulous that you're able to have these, these menu and eating guides and, and facilitate healthier living for people. Because if we can all take a few little steps in that direction, I think the most, the most shocking uh, statistic that I learned when I started researching my book was that fully 65% of all cancer cases in the U.S. 
could be avoided by lifestyle change. You're like, what? <laughs> like what? Like, and I even said in the book, I said, why is this not on every billboard on every highway? Right. Because so get in shape, don't smoke, meditate, and I, have gratitude. Right. <sighs> and I think, you know, that's an interesting point. And I very much believe that, but I do think there's also this um, feeling of, you know, when people get a cancer diagnosis, why me? Did I do something wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And, and I think that's a really hard thing to come to terms with. I know. And maybe something people don't want to face, especially when you're in the heart of it, but preventatively, absolutely. Like, absolutely. You can do everything right all your life and you know, shit. You can, and you can still get cancer. Absolutely. No question. But if I can take out an insurance policy and just reduce the odds of recurrence, I'm going to do it. Whether I get it or not, oh, well, ultimately, perhaps out of my hands, but right. why not take every step? And the thing is, if it's just to keep cancer out of your life, I don't know if it's worth it, but because it improves your overall state of well-being, uh-huh. It, it improves everything, right? Yeah. All aspects of your life. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. And just, we're in the middle of cold and flu season here. We're in the middle of yeah. a pandemic. So why not do something every day to take care of yourself to possibly prevent? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And to teach those around you and your progeny good habits, right? Yeah. We want to be good ancestors. <laughs> yeah. Ab- absolutely. Like you, you find founding this business, Maria, for your daughters and for, to help other women out there and just other people in general. So So um, we love to leave our listeners with some practical tips on how to incorporate tea into their lives. And I know you share many of these in your book, which we, you know, recommend that everybody reads, but can you share a few ways that people can begin to incorporate the healing benefits of tea into their lives, even if they're not tea drinkers? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And that's actually, yeah. So this is a summary of the how-to chapter in my book. Uh, Just if you are a tea drinker, um, we'll get to that in a moment. But if you're not currently a tea drinker, try to have a cup of tea. Don't don't go cold turkey on your coffee or any other (laughs) habits that you might have with beverages, but try to sneak in one serving of tea, either mid-morning or mid-afternoon and just either replace a coffee break or a latte break or even a happy hour drink. I love having a really nice oolong at the end of the workday. And cold brewed oolong is so sophisticated and and lovely in its nature that you can serve that to people instead of an aperitif. uh, And they, they really won't be missing the alcohol at that point. So sneak in that one serving a day to start. Then if you can, if you're willing, add a hot cup of tea. So that first serving might be cold brewed, might be hot, doesn't matter, but add a warm cup of tea because our bodies like warm things in the morning. Try to sneak it in before your first cup of coffee. Uh, If you wanna do it afterwards, fine, but those polyphenol antioxidants are best, most bioavailable on an empty stomach. So even if it's half a cup of green tea, a quarter cup of green tea to start, just sneak it in in the morning. If you don't like the tea straight, uh, spritz a little bit of lemon in there. 
And that's also a really wonderful cleansing thing to have in the morning. And in fact, in some cases, lemon can enhance the uh, antioxidant action of green teas. And then once you work up to that serving in the morning, a serving either mid-morning or afternoon, you've got two servings covered. And because we're Americans, a serving might be 16 ounces anyway. So maybe you're now already at three or four servings. <laughs> but the other thing that I would advocate is that you do cold brew some tea and just sip it throughout the day. That way you're kind of replenishing your store of antioxidants. And one thing that we have uh, been brought up thinking and that really was news to us just about five years ago in our company, because research has changed on this, we used to think that tea was dehydrating, uh, but that's not the case. Tea is actually slightly super hydrating. So slightly more hydrating than an equivalent serving of water, which is a real shocker. So now you can think, or shocker to those of us who thought that tea was dehydrating and, and we're kind of budgeting our number of servings throughout the day. So what you can do is get either a mason jar or a tea tumbler, just put a few tea leaves in there, like one teaspoon even for a 22 ounce bottle, just to have an enhanced water. Sometimes it's hard to get through that water budget for the day, but now that you can offset that with tea, makes it a lot more fun and delicious. Yes, and I didn't know that. I thought, I knew that for herbal teas, but I didn't think the black teas or the green teas were considered. Nor did we. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's news, really. It's relatively new news. And there are some great scientific studies out that support that. Awesome. Those are such great tips. Um, so where can people find you? I know you have, we have a special offer for our listeners for this month of January. It is easy to find the T-Spot. We are theteaspot.com. Or even if you forget the URL, just Google the T-Spot, we'll be there. <laughs> Awesome. I'm happy to receive you at any time any, with any questions. Uh, the site is rather informative, but yes, please always feel free to reach out. We love to connect with our customer community and we will definitely love connecting with your ladies community. Um, well, and I'm super excited to go back to the website and order more tea because and, um, and more of the paraphernalia that goes along <laughs> with the tea. Steepware. Steepware. Steep Sorry. Steepware. Um, so one last question we'd like to ask all of our guests is what does the art of living well mean to you? It's living your best possible life, being the best possible incarnation of what our talents can provide for That's both beautiful. ourselves and others. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you. And I do want to mention, um, there'll be a link in the show notes for everyone to shop and a promo code. So um, take, a, take a look at those show notes for all that good information. Um, thank and you this so much. Was, yeah, this has been so informational. I love hearing all the like science or, you know, just the details behind the tea that I didn't know about, because I do consider myself to be like, like I drink a lot of tea throughout the day. Granted, it's herbal tea, but it's still tea. Absolutely. And I'm excited to try new teas and just learn about all the stuff behind the tea. So yeah. thank you. And if you are sensitive, Marnie, to caffeine, we do have a decaf lemon ginger tea that I would recommend to you as an herbal drinker. Okay. Yeah. I will look that up. Thank you so much.
Thanks, Maria. It was so great having you on today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.